The Gospel of John is unique among the four Gospels. Matthew starts with the genealogy, Mark and Luke with the ministry of John the Baptist. But John, who writes some 60 years after the birth of the new church, he starts in a different way. He, he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word is very, very important for us to understand the power of this text and this scripture. See, John skips over the good works of those and especially Jesus. He skips over that and he goes right to the person of Jesus and who he was. He, he doesn't, I've heard it said this way before, and, and pardon the, the preacher clip here, but he skips over the good man and goes straight to the God man. Let me tell you real fast, it's very important for us to understand that text. And that text he talks about, in verse 14, just going on a little farther, he says, and that word became flesh. Well, who was the word? Exactly right. That word became flesh. God roped himself in flesh and dwelt among us. And so we find that this, he's on this mission to prove that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was, the true and only God robed in flesh is what we find. And that's not me talking. That's not our doctrine talking. That's the word of God talking. Let me just be, be clear that anything we've taught, anything that's been taught in first word or here, is not us trying to persuade you to our ways. It's us trying to teach you. I'm just giving you the news. Don't worry, I'm not CNN or Fox News. I don't have my spin on it today. I've got just the Word of God. That's it. That's all I've got. I've got the Word of God. I'm not giving you my take on it. I'm not giving you the, the, the Paul's idea of this. No, I'm just giving you my, my, I'm just giving you scriptures, really, what I'm giving you. That's just John writing and John saying, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and that Word that was there took on flesh. It put flesh on, and it dwelt among us. Who dwelt among us? Jesus dwelt among us. Jesus was God robed in flesh. Why? Because God said, I'm going to stoop down and I'm going to love my people. But the only way to love my people is to truly know my people, to have relationship with them, and them have relationship with me. So that's why John, trying to prove he was, that's why John is the only gospel writer who intentionally records the I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's invisible in English versions of the scriptures, but obvious in the ancient, ancient texts we find. Ego Emai, a carpenter from Nazareth, was using the ancient name of God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. I am that I am. And he was using it casually to refer to himself. I am. I am. Theologians and denominations today may have missed it, but the Pharisees caught the meaning all too well. Why? Because they were familiar. They taught daily. 
That's why they took the stones to Jesus and finally orchestrated his crucifixion. They, 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 they knew what he was saying before Abraham was, I am. If ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. When ye li- have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am. He's telling them, you're going to see one way or the other. You're going to know it's me. You're going to realize who I am. He spoke his name, his rightful name at a well at a, and a nameless lady who her life her life was changed and changed forever. He spoke his name during a storm and the disciple Peter was empowered to walk on the raging waves. He spoke his name in a garden at midnight and an entire battalion of soldiers fell to the ground like so much of, 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 of we would expect. They, they plainly fell in front from the opening lines of his gospels. John is definitely on a mission. He's on a mission to tell you, don't miss it. Don't get caught up in other man's teaching. Don't get caught up in other man's ways. He's on a mission to let you know the one you feel and the one you see and the one you're talking about. That is almighty creator God himself robing himself in flesh looking to save that which is lost. His gospel culminates with the inspired revelation of doubting Thomas in chapter 20 of when, when, the, when, when Thomas realized the significance of a mortal wound in the body of a living man, he exclaimed, my Lord and my God. You understand what Thomas did. Thomas reaches in, and when he reaches in, he feels a divine nature in a fleshly man. He feels something that's far beyond what he was ever really taught. He feels something that only takes you to that place if you first ride in a vehicle of faith to get there. But when you get there, there's no denying that it's him. He looks and he sees Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. He sees the beard of Jesus. He sees the face of Jesus. But he says my Lord and my God. He has a revelation then. He knows without a doubt then. He doubted before but now because where his faith took him although doubt was walking with him he said now I know that's who you are. That's who you are. He was inspired in that moment. He exclaimed that, 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 that phrase, my Lord and my God. John then concludes this gospel with this statement in John 20, 30 and 1. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Chapter 21, we find the next ver- the next chapter is really a mere postscript adding the account of just one event, what could be so crucial to add after such a powerful con- uh, conclusion of this book. John 21 1 through 6 we find that Jesus now comes and approaches them. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. One of the few times he showed himself after the uh, resurrection on the wise showed him he himself. They were there, or there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of, and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. Now, there's politics in anything you do in this text. We 
find that, that, that Peter's saying, I'm going fishing. Some think that he should have abandoned fishing altogether. I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think the Lord called him to follow him, but abandon things he loved. What some think is he should have abandoned it, so he shouldn't have gone fishing. What I can't help but believe is what, other, what another writer wrote, that Simon and Peter had some bills to pay. He had a family at home. And he didn't say, well, good luck, babe. I'm going to go follow Jesus. No, he followed Jesus and provided for his family. So he looked and realized that he, his wife had been trying to get a hold of him. And she said, babe, we're behind on everything. While you've been out reaching the lost, loving people, you've lost some responsibility. So Simon and Peter said, well, looks like I'm going fishing. And so he got up and realized the only way for him to really be good at making money was to go make money. So he took a break and he went fishing. He's not, he, he simply spoke this word. He's not saying he wants to enjoy a day off. He was not saying that I'm done. He was simply saying that I know that it seems like things are different. And I know it seems like following him is different. But I know one thing also. I've got to provide for my family. I'm not following Jesus today because the resurrection's taking place. And instead of just sitting back and looking around, I'm going to go take care of my family. But this is so much had changed. So much had happened. So much had gone on. So much was going on in the moment, and Jesus, Jesus, the Bible says, has been appearing and speaking and doing a work in the life, but he comes to a point, he comes to a point where he begins to talk to them, and he, he tells them that simply it's, 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 it's time for a shift, and Jesus in this text is no longer walking and talking with them like he did in the good old days. That's, yes, things have changed. Once you hear this now, things have changed. It's so different now that Jesus was glorified. That things have shifted. The people now have shifted. No more Jesus in the crowds. It's, it's over. It's the, the moment has, has, has left us. Yesterday when we walked and drove out of St. Louis, things were different. We knew that we weren't on our way right away to service in the morning. We knew we weren't going to have to rush and fight godly people who were saving 48 seats for us just to get ours. We knew that things were changing, but we also also knew this presence of God was still there. There are too many disciples is what, what, what some would say in this moment. Jesus has been appearing to 500 at a time. But Peter liked it better when, he was just, when it was just 12, possibly some think. So Peter was stepping away. He was, he was making a move. And, 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 and we, we, are, we are at times similar to this. Churches, for the most part, we are at times known for struggling with innovation. And, and it's a tragedy that you and I might have. Why? Because the struggle is, is the church is made up of believers and generational believers at that. But just, I'm trying to be careful how I'm going, where I'm going. But let me help you understand real fast that it's important for you to get the idea that we have got to be an innovative body of believers who are willing to reach people of our time. Leadership expert John Maxwell teaches only partly in jest that if a pastor wants to move the church piano, now we've heard this, but he needs to do it one inch at a time. We laugh, but there's a tragedy, a tragedy behind the joke. The world around us is changing so fast that it's hard to keep up. Even the pace of change is accelerating. But, but what happens is most life 
changing messages. They, 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 they intersect human history. They, 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 they come to a point where, 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 where all of a sudden these things, these moments are locked up behind the doors of tradition. And we can't now live out the change that we feel inside. We can't live out the desire to reach and love as, as much as we feel. It almost, almost happened to the disciples, but a resurrected Jesus now. As these people were going back, going fishing, I understand the good, good deed that, that Simon Peter was doing. But truthfully, he was walking away in that moment to go provide for his family. And Jesus saw the danger of going back and providing for his family and no longer reaching the lost. Jesus wanted to tell him in this scripture, in this text, in John 21, he wanted to say, I'm okay with you providing for your family, but what I want to say to you is, provide for your family and keep on loving people. Provide for your family and keep on preaching the gospel. Provide for your family and te- keep teaching repentance. Provide, go to work tomorrow, but keep, 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 keep telling people about Jesus. It's okay to do both, and Jesus saw the danger of saying, well, he's not here, so I'm not going to follow. I'm going to go back to what I was doing before when I didn't know him and what I've come to tell you is there's got to be something about getting what we can in here and walking out with what we got while we're in here and letting the world know the church is not the four walls but I'm the church we're the church we're the body of Christ and we will love people We'll love people. We've got to be quick to understand what we must do. That's why we're doing what we're doing next week. We're desiring to love, love people. Jesus calls them to the shore and he speaks to them. I'm sorry, let me back, backtrack just for a moment here. And, 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 and he speaks to them and he talks to them. And they've been fishing all day and all night. But the Bible tells us, and as we're familiar with, they had caught nothing. They had quit hoping and they had just settled, settled to this, this, this moment of accepting where they were, the status quo. But the mes- methods that had always seemed to be adequate and, and the methods that were always appropriate in the good old days were now coming up empty. There were no fish. There was no new life. Can I just talk to us for a moment? I'm not knocking anything. I'm going to be just, I'm going to talk about the scripture for a moment. There was no, nothing was being caught. Jesus comes to them and he tells them and he speaks. He, 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 he calls at this moment. He, he begins to minister them, to them in this, in, this, in this scripture. And he tells them something very important. He tells them that you've got to do something that is so, so key here in this text. You've got to, you, there's got to be a shift. There's got to be a thing. There's got, there's got, there's got to be something for you to do. And he calls them from the shore asking the question that, 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 that irritates the fishermen. Are you catching anything? Is it working? Uh, my, my, my mom and my sister like to go out about 5.30 to 7.30 on a, quick last second notice when they can. Why? Because they catch 40 fish at a time. My wife and I jumped in the boat not long ago and went with them. Bethany caught like 18. Tara didn't catch a thing. And I didn't catch a thing. 
Partly because Bethany gets in a good spot and no one else can get to it. But let me just leave that alone. No, it's definitely her technique. She's figured it out. People be driving by and Bethany's real, her, bent, her pole's bent over in half and she's going, what do you do? What's going on? And it's the, it's the way they're doing it. It's the method that they're doing it. Somebody else will say, well, what, I can't do that. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's because they're doing it. You gotta, we, we'll try to watch. And, and, and the way she just jigs that just right and reels if she comes and lets it fall and comes back up, it's just, just right. And when you feel it right, you've got to set that hook and know all the things have got to be right. And I don't, I don't, for some reason, I'm not figuring it out. I'm not getting it. I don't know. I, I looked at myself the other day and started looking at myself just making sure that everything looked okay. And I was trying my best to get everyone to understanding real fast. And uh, I'm still questions there. But anyways, I'm trying to get it all right. And something was wrong. Something's off. And I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. But Bethany's just catching one after the other. And I, I had to pray about it. I had to talk to the Lord about it. I had to spend some time in counseling about it. But anyways, it's serious stuff. I'm dealing with some stuff here. But I had to realize that I'm just not doing it right. I'm not doing it the right way. And Jesus asked them, are you catching anything? Are you catching anything? And, and they admit failure. No, it's not working. And then comes the even more irritating command. At the moment, let me just tell you, they didn't know who he was. They didn't realize it was Jesus. They, they didn't expect Jesus. So they're just thinking this random guy that looks like he's been through it is yelling at them and saying, are you catching anything? And they're like, no, please leave us alone. Alone. Thank you, Captain Obvious. But he says to them, cast your nets on the other side. They were used to catching that way with the stream. They were used to catching the way they would. They were used to this being the norm. They were used to this being the way. They were used to it that way. They were used to it this way. They were used to it all these ways. They were used to it that way and that way and that way and that way. But they were having zero results. And so Jesus, not man, not some new young pastor, not anybody else but Jesus comes Jesus comes on the scene Jesus himself comes he speaks to tradition he speaks to years and years of the way they've done it and he says to them simply this cast your nets on the other side cast them on the other side you know they must have protested you know they must have said we've never done it that way before it's never been used that way before no respectable fisherman cast that in the net that way we tried that before it didn't work. It's too radical. It's too new. It's too messy. It's too expensive. It's too much work. It's too wild. They're too much work. They're all over the place. I'm not sure if my kids feel safe with those kids. I've come to tell you it's time that we cast our nets on the other side of the boat. It's time we together say, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to what the Lord wants to do. I'm committed to what God desires for us to do. Jesus insisted that they change their method and their expectations. And it was so important that John taxed the story on the end of his gospel. Cast your nets on the other side. Cast your nets on the other side. Ted Koppel conducted an interview with a man who had been trapped on an oil rig during a fire. Koppel asked the man how he had the courage to jump from a platform 15 stories high into water engulfed in flames. And the man replied simply, because I was going to fry if I stayed on the platform because they were so desperate for things to be different. The disciples reluctantly took Jesus' advice and the outcome was beyond anyone's 
comprehension. The, uh, the, the, the outcome was beyond anything they could possibly fathom. The greatest danger, the greatest danger is at the edge where the church meets culture. But let me tell you right now, let me speak to you right now, but so is the greatest opportunity. So is the greatest opportunity. Jesus didn't say, no, stay away from that well. There's a harlot there. Jesus didn't say, no, I won't go close to that well. There's a woman who's not even living with her husband there. No, Jesus said, I must needs. If I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria. Why? Because there's a woman there who's lost, who's beaten, who's an addict, who's going through things in her life. And I need to know her to know that what she's drinking of is not what she needs, but what she needs is a life full of living water. I need her to know I'm going to cast my net on the other side. They said, why, Jesus, cast your net here? He said, no, I'm casting it here because there's needs there. Because there's needs there. Because needs can be met there. Because I've got to reach people. Because we've got to know that there are people who need, need God in their life. What I've come to tell you this morning, what I've come to preach to you, and I'm not done yet, but I'm hurrying. I want you to know that we have to be desiring to reach and love people the way that God's called us to love people. The New Testament church lived on the edge, never safe, always one step from disaster if God didn't intervene, but we at times live too comfortably in control. Oh, it's ours. We got it all taken care of. And I, let, me be, let, me, let me be very careful here. I don't want to mean anything by this. I, I'm asking, please, please understand where I come from. But we used to have meals, and we will again someday. I promise you we'll work it out. But we used to have meals for ourselves once a month. But that kitchen has been used more for outreach in the past eight to ten months than we've ever seen it. Every Wednesday night, the ovens are stirring chili and, and food for the kids. Every, every Thursday, being mostly in, in, involved in outreach and loving people. I want every part of what we do here to be us loving this community. Not loving our church, but loving this community. And if you love this community, guess what? You'll also love your church. And the Lord, I believe, will bless things like he's never blessed them before. I believe it in Jesus' name. My mom is a wizard at finding ovens. Ovens went out. Guess what? God blessed us with better double ovens. He blessed her with Facebook Marketplace, but blessed us with a miracle and people that were willing to step up and do it. I believe that happened because we were opening up the doors to the church and opening up the doors to the kitchen and feeding these kids. Some of these kids aren't eating at home, but they're eating on Wednesday night. Some of these kids are longing for something, but they're getting it on Wednesday night. Some of these kids aren't getting much anywhere else, but they come in and they say, can I go back for more? Why? Because you said we'll open up the door to the church and we're going to see God move in a marvelous way. Let me tell you this real fast and I'm hurrying. But what I want you to get right now, what I want you to get right now is that they did not abandon the nets. I'm hurrying ahead. I'm going to move quickly. They did not abandon the nets. They did not abandon the boat. We're not abandoning the message. Let me tell you real fast, we're not abandoning separation. I want you to hear me right now. I want you to hear me right now. Even the hesitant amen in your voice. We're not abandoning anything. 
We're not abandoning it, but we are, we are abandoning tradition. Of we've always caught them this way, Lord. This has always been the way we've done it. John looks up, and John was grabbing that net. He sees Simon Peter. And John, the one who leaned on his breast at the supper, John, the one who was standing with him in, in, in many situations, in many moments, who was watching him closely, was going back later on, reflecting on how he could pull and tell us who, who Jesus was connected to who was in the beginning, the Word. He was trying to always reveal that in his book. He was hoping that, that we would someday, Brother Brett, understand who he was through his book. He, Brother David, he was hoping on those mornings when you wake up early, when you're trying your best to get to work but you take a moment and you open the book and you say and he bearing his cross went out to a place called the place of the skull which is called in Hebrew Golgotha where they crucified him and two others with him he wanted us to know who it was that was bearing that cross that day he was trying to reveal it to us John looks up at that moment had his hands on the tradition of the way they've always done it he looked at Simon Peter and he said Simon Peter that's Jesus and Simon Peter said what and Simon the Bible says goes because he had pretty much undressed because it was so hot he goes and out of respect and love for Jesus he puts on his top garment and he looks up and he sees Jesus and they look and they see that they now cast their net on the other side and the Bible tells us I know we pray about revival but do we act in revival I know we pray about it Lord please give us revival now we'll do it the same old way we've been doing it we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna preserve the old, the old way we've always done things. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. God, I want you. I want your way. God, if you're asking me to turn and throw the net on the other side, then we're going to throw the net. On the other side, we're going to figure it out. Why? Why? Because the Lord says do that. And they throw the net on the other side. And the Bible says the net was so full. They didn't abandon the net. They were worried about the net. They said that seems crazy. There's no way. The Bible says that that old net, yes, the old net, the old truth, the old doctrine, the old word of God, the thing that C.P. Kilgore drove in here with, the thing that my father has preached for 45 years, the old great net. The word of the living God. The old net that Brother Howard used to sit up here and clap his hands and sing old songs to. That old net. The old net that Brother Lester Wade used to get out and say yes. That old net. That old net. The old net. Sister Adcock used to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The old net that Sister Bettis used to stand up and testify and say, God, bring my kids back. That old net. Yes, the same. Old net is the same net they're using. The same net John's got. The same net the West has got the same net it's the same net it's the same net it's the same net it's the same net I want you to hear me it's the same net but what they're doing is saying the Lord has called us to take the same soul saving gospel and cast it on the other side the Lord was wanting them to know that I I know I'm not with you right now. I know resurrection is taking place. But what I want you to get is you cannot do this without me. You can't do it without me. Don't think you're going to have success without him. We will not have success without him. 
It seems crazy. We're giving away right now. What we're, what we're getting prepared for is about 200 backpacks. Well, that's not the gospel that you, you, okay. You do it your way. Let's see how it goes. Guess what we're doing? We're giving away backpacks because there's a need for backpacks in this community. People are longing for help, needing help. Some, people, some of these people have five kids and needing someone to help them out. They're tired. They're broken. We have single moms trying their best to figure it out. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to make it work, but yet their kids are going to school with old, dingy backpacks. And guess what? Not anymore. They're not. We put out a QR code. We got a Google form. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yes, that's casting your net on the other side. And we're letting them know if you come here we're going to give you a backpack but not just that we're going to pray a covering of the holy ghost on your kids we're going to pray god changes your family we're going to pray god puts a divide between the world and your kids and that they are protected in the holy ghost that's what i'm asking right now if you're willing if you're willing to say god I hear your voice. I hear your voice right now, God. And I want everything you have for me. I'm asking you right now to keep that old net. That old net of truth. That old net that we've carried. That old net from generations. That old net my grandfather's preached about. That old net my great-grandfather's preached about. That old net my great-grandfather carried into northwest Arkansas We had when he had nothing but a word and a vision. I'm talking about that old net. That old net that is so my DNA. That's everything that I am. That old net that lives and walks by faith. I'm once again doing it again, God. You've called me to throw the net on the other side. Okay, I'm going to cast the net on the other side. And there was such a great, great anointing in their obedience that they were so worried about the nets not being able to hold the greatest catch of their life. But guess what? The Lord not only strengthened up, strengthened up their haul or their catch that day, but I believe the Lord also went ahead and reinforced every brittle piece of that net. He took any weak point of that net, Brother Moss. He took anything that was struggling, anything that was maybe not where it needed to be, and he let the obedience speak for itself. And he took that net and made it so strong that the old doctrine became the new doctrine of of today. The old ways became the current ways. Let me tell you right now, I don't want to have statues of what we used to be and where we came from. I want statues of today. I want to build a fresh statue tomorrow. I want great great, great moments today. There should be statues along the way of everything God's done, everything God's been. This is not a greatest days behind this message. This is the greatest days are ahead of His Word. God is doing a work in our hearts and our lives. But we've got to be obedient. If if you'll stand in obedience this morning and say, God, I want what you have. I'm going to open these altars right now. And I wish you'd let the Lord right now just minister in your spirit. I wish you'd let him speak into your heart. I wish you'd let him tell you right now exactly what he desires of you and your family. God, I pray help us right now. I pray help us right now. God, help us have the boldness and the courage to reach like we should be reaching, God. To love like we should be loving, God. Yes, Jesus. 
Yes, Jesus, I trust in you. Yes, Jesus. What he did on what you did, God. It's more. Oh yes, Jesus. Oh, I trust in God. I trust in you, God. My Savior oh, yes. is the one, the one who will never fail. You've never failed. He will never fail. Oh yes, I trust in God. I trust in God. Oh yeah, my Savior. My Savior. My Savior. 